Hi, I'm Craig Lance. I'm Will Davison. I'm Mark Winterbottom. I'm Greg Murphy. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The Nitro goes out at the Super GP. Marcus Marshall walks away from inter-racing. Uh, I've worked my guts out myself and Keith Evers. And Jamie Winkup gets back into a holding. If you want to keep moving forward. That's all coming up today as we get set to preview Queensland Raceway. As the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Nitro Energy Drinks will not be the naming rights sponsor of the Super GP. It has been alleged that the former sponsor has not met their contractual requirements. Organisers have said that the loss of the major sponsor will not affect the October event. Super GP General Manager Greg Hooten has contacted Queensland's Sport Minister Phil Rees telling him that the Gold Coast Motorsports Event Company Partnership Committee resolved on the 14th of August to terminate the naming rights agreement for the 2009 Super GP event with Nitro. Marcus Marshall is no longer part of Team Interracing and has been linked with Triple S Racing for Phillip Island and Bathurst Enduros. In a statement released on Monday, Marshall announced the split. Uh, look, no longer I'm, I'm uh, associated whatsoever with Team Interracing. Uh, I've worked my guts out, myself and Keith Evers, and uh, we're, it's a sad day, but we've uh, both had to walk away from uh, from the team and, and the whole thing and move on and uh, and uh, start, a, start another uh, episode. Team Interracing was fined $150,000 for not participating in the Townsville event. The team did not have an engine to start the race. And the team also was not at Sandown, but were in discussions with V8 Supercars Australia how they could continue to move forward. Wilson Security Racing team manager Paul Cruikshank has confirmed that Team Vodafone's move to Holden will not have any effect on the team moving ahead in Ford's next season. The team will continue to campaign to Triple Eight Racing prepared FG Falcons in next year's championship. Jamie Winkup tested Russell Ingalls' super cheap auto racing Commodore last week as Team Vodafone begins its preparations for the changeover to Holden in 2010. Whilst it wasn't a public outing, Jamie Winkup said he just does what Roland tells him. HRT will be pairing up their regular drivers, Will Davison and Garth Tander, in this year's Enduros. The HRT pair are currently second and third in the championship. Paul Dumbrell will move across from the Autobahn Racing Commodore to pair up with Craig Baird in the second of the HRT cars at Phillip Island and Bathurst. While 2008 Fujitsu Series champion Steve Owen and Shane Price will have the wheel of the Autobahn Racing Commodore. David Reynolds remains at Bundaberg Red with three-time world touring car champion 
Andy Prelu putting on the bare suit to help the rookie get his first racing laps on the mountain at his third start. Walkinshaw Racing Chief Executive Officer Craig Wilson believes the combinations that Walkinshaw Racing have put together will make it possible for their four cars to finish in the top ten at both of the Enduros. This weekend, Jack Perkins is looking to run a corporate security solutions livery on the bonnet of his number 11 Holden Commodore, whilst Daniel Gaunt has been announced as Stone Brothers' fourth endurance driver. Johnny McIntyre is expected to pair up with the youngster, whilst the Irwin Tools' Alex Davison and SP Tools' Shane Van Gisbergen will drive together. One wonders if the paint job will be as disastrous as the Pertec Caltex car of... Well, it's a few years ago now, isn't it? Stephen Richards tested the Stone Brothers Racing FG Falcon of Alex Davison's last week at Queensland Raceway as the two Ford teams continue to battle their way out of the bottom of the field. This is the third occasion this season where FPR and SBR have had an information sharing session. Earlier this year, Mark Winterbottom tested the Stone Brothers Racing car with Shane Van Gisbergen trying out the FPR Falcon at Winton. In our special mini-interview now, Tim Edwards told the V8 Insiders of his disappointment of FPR's performance this year. Oh, well, I'd be telling you a lie if I said we, I wasn't disappointed. You know, clearly not where we want to be. Yeah, Frosty's shown, you know, I think he's had eight, seven or eight top three finishes, but that's you know, he's had no wins and... Seven or eight clearly not enough. You know, our, our intention is to be, you know, at least where we were last year. So, yeah, by our standards, we're we're quite disappointed. And there's there's not one glaringly obvious area where we're deficient. You know, uh, if there was, we could just focus all our attention on that one area. And hey, presto, we'd be, you know, knocking on race wins again. So, you know, we know it's just little bits everywhere. You know, a little bit from the drivers, a little bit from you know from strategy a little bit from brakes a little bit from suspension a little bit from engine you know it's there's every single you know bit of the car we've just got to and and you're only talking about fine tuning you know if you look at today's results you know i think four tenths of a second is actually the top 16 cars and what's four tenths of a second you know you're splitting hairs so you know we're not looking for 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 some holy grail that's going to give us half a second you know we're just looking for little bits and pieces we hope you enjoyed that Mini interview there with Tim Edwards. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Andrew Clark and Luke West will be along. Then later, Brad Jones talks race strategy with soft tyres and compulsory fuel stops. We find out how the Aubrey driver makes the calls. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly from Jack Daniels Racing and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, as this week we're joined by two of, well, the two guys that started us all off after the pilot, Andrew Clark and Luke West. Good evening to you both. Started people off or put people off? Well, you put me on the map, didn't you, because you got V8 Insiders rolling. Oh, look, if that's something I've achieved in this life, then wow. 
don't hold it against you. That's the way <laughs> yeah. you finish that sentence, Andrew, yeah, isn't I'll, it? I'll, I'll take credit, even though it's probably not real. I, I was thinking about it today. I could almost introduce you as a, a big pond journalist, Clarky, because when we think back years and years ago, before Big Pond were in the sport, you were writing the reports for the V8 Supercar website. Yeah, way back when. Uh, that was a long time ago now. I mean, jeez, uh, if we think about the people we've done work for over time, it's uh, it's quite staggering. I mean, there wouldn't be many people I haven't written for in my uh, 24 years in the sport. And of course... And, of course, um, Clarkie, you having had that uh, V8 supercar website experience. Luke West, you, of course, have got the, the four expert, which was a dangerous uh, title, if you ask me. Yeah, well, now you've pointed it out to me, you might have to think about that one, but to fill the punters in, Forex Gold, who are platform sponsor of V8 supercars, have set up their own website. It is forexgoldv8supercars.com.au and you'll find different things there to what's on the regular V8 site, including a question and answer thing where you ask an expert or supposedly a so-called expert a question and it'll get answered. And uh, I'm the joker. They couldn't find an expert, but they've got me in there. So go to forexgoldv8supercars.com.au Pose a question, you'll have it answered. Well, I'm going to be asking the questions tonight, that's for sure. And we're going to start off with Stephen Richards' future because another publication you work for there, Luke, certainly polled the drivers and the drivers said he is the most disliked driver out there in the V8 supercar field. And when your performance isn't going well and you're being, uh, well, hammered by your uh, cohorts, does that mean that the days are starting to get closer to the end than the beginning? Oh, well, I think they're closer to the end than the beginning because he's been on the scene, what, for now 13 or 14 years. He doesn't have another 13 or 14 years in him, but certainly Steve Richards not having a good year, but cast your mind back 12 months and he was on fire. So I don't think it would take much to get him back at the front of the field. He's not doing quite as well in the recalcitrant Ford Performance Racing Falcons at the moment as Mark Winterbottom, but look, I reckon he'll bounce back. He's got a lot to give, particularly at enduro time, so don't write Richo off just yet. I think it's pretty easy to get stuck into Richo because his performance, you know, his results aren't that great at the moment, but like, in all honesty, FPR is struggling big time, and both he and Frosty are in trades. I mean, you know, how many of us at the start of the year didn't tip Winterbottom um, as as a serious contender in the series, and by the halfway point, it's all over. Um, so I think, you know, we, so we can turn around and we can say, Richo's this, Richo's that, or whatever. But, you know, have a good look at the piece of equipment that he's got and then uh, turn around and say, well, has FPR delivered him a car that allows him to show what he can do? And I'd say, no, they definitely haven't. Um, so is it all over for Richo? I wouldn't have said so yet. I mean, uh, from what I understand, anyway, he's got another year on his contract, so he's got at least one more year at FPR. Um, and if they get their act together, who knows? It is how you measure a race driver, isn't it, by the performance of your teammate. And Richo isn't getting uh, outperformed like, uh, say, Will Davison was doing to Garth Tander earlier in the season. It's always easier for the young gun, though, to come in and, and make the noise. I mean, yeah, Will Davison had an awful lot to, to do when he went in there. I mean, he would have been motivated to the max to go in there and say, I am better than Garth Tander. He's a champion, but look at me. You know, and you go in there and you do that. And in this game, like, let's face it, you're talking, you know, one second 
or you know, will put you from first to thirtieth on the grid. You know, a tenth of a second's the difference between first and tenth on the grid. <coughs> so, um, you know, it doesn't take much to be to be just that little bit out of the picture. So, you know, a little little bit of luck here and there will really help you. A little bit of bad luck, you know, and all of a sudden you look like an also ran and. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's saying that Garth Tand has passed it just because Will Davison's beating him. And uh, <coughs> same thing with Richo. I think yeah, we just need to sit back and let SPR, FPR get on top of what they're doing and then let's judge him. And you wouldn't say that Craig Lowndes has also run because Jamie Winkup's in front of him, would you, Luke? No, definitely not. I, I concur with Mr Clark. It's really the pressure's more so, I think, on the the teams generally to perform. I think most of the drivers, certainly the paid drivers as opposed to the pay drivers, I reckon most of the paid drivers are doing a good job at the moment. So after their teams to, to give them the equipment, as, as Andrew said. Well, it's funny you mentioned the pay and paid drivers because uh, Paul Dumbrell, who's driving a car sponsored by a family business, I'm not saying that he's not paid to be driving, but there is that uh, tarnish there, is moving away from that car for the Enduros, guys, and he's going to be running the second of the HRT cars with Craig Baird. An interesting decision to make, Clarkie. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's inter interesting on Paul's part, because given that Autobahn is a family company, so you spend all of this time investing in your brand and the brand association between yourself and, and Autobahn, and then you walk away from it at the biggest races of the year. So in a branding sense, you know, I struggle to come to grips with the reasoning behind it. From a personal sense, I think anybody who drives a Holden uh, wants to drive for, uh, for HRT and yeah, and, and I don't care what Roland Dane wants to tell me. I reckon next year it'll still be the same. If you're a Holden man, you want to drive your Triple Eight. You know, so I think yeah, it, I can understand it from from Paul's side why he'd do it. I don't understand the logic between the branding aspect to it. Uh, does it give him a better chance of winning Bathurst? I'd say no. I don't think it makes any difference at all to him. No. The other interesting thing is it may well put pressure on him. I know Andrew will accuse me of being a Steve Owen fan, but. No. The Autobahn car hasn't done much, has it, the last few rounds? Started the year strongly, but it's become very much a midfielder at best over the last three or four rounds. What if Steve Owen gets in that car and it's suddenly up the front of the field? It's not going to reflect particularly well on Paul Dumbrell. I... No, won't. But, you know, at the end of the day, it does come back to, um, um, you know, you just, the difference, what we were talking about with Richard, you know, the difference between a little bit of luck and no luck. Um, PD just, you know, he, he's got to be one of the most luckless drivers in the field, I reckon. Um, and some of that he's brought on himself, I think. You know, he's taken a few too many risks at times that he shouldn't have, etc., etc. But, um, you know, we know that he's quick. I mean, he qualified third, I think, at Bathurst about two or three years ago. Might have been a bit longer than that now. But, you know, he can do the job. Um, the question is, can whoever it is who's on the other end of the radio continue to you know, keep him doing that job for long enough? Um, and I think that's the big challenge for whoever it is who's dealing with. Mm. To me, I don't care whether he's in a red car or a black and green car at the end of the day. Um, the car's built by the same people. It's run by the same people. There's no difference um, in that sense. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. It is going to be interesting to see Paul Dumbrell in that red car, though. And uh, after the break, we're going to talk about the Queensland Raceway, the round this weekend, and FBR and SBR. Where are they at for the Blue Oval fans? 
who uh, are having less and less to support as the wheel turns. It's up next on the V8 Insiders. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders with Andrew Clark from P101 and Luke West. Well, if you haven't seen something Luke's on or in... Oh, you mustn't be much of a motorsport fan. He's everywhere at the moment, this Eddie man. Eddie everywhere, call me. <laughs> He's almost the Eddie Maguire of motorsport. In uh, everything but Humphrey B. Bear's suit. Actually, is Neil Crompton the Eddie Maguire of uh, motorsport? <laughs> With the new Triple M radio program, Stick Shift. Yeah, those guys, he and Mark Scaife, they are everywhere at the moment. But good on them. That's great to see a radio program, commercial radio um on network too so that's a step forward for the category is indeed is indeed uh, well a step backwards for the category is a ford car not competitive and at the end of this season will we be looking at the two top running ford branded cars as finishing in like 10th to 15th position at best andrew it, it's very dangerous to have formula holden once again in this sport critical um, to the future of the sport and um, you know you, you really come back to saying uh, as I've perhaps said for quite a while is a two brand formula good for the sport and I think this shows the risk and the risk is that no it's not good at all um, I, I understand Ford's decision not to invest heaps and heaps and heaps of money in V8 supercars um, my question would be if I was uh, on the board at Ford and somebody said I'm going to go out and spend $25 million on V8 supercar racing uh, my question would be how many more cars will I sell um, and at the end of the day if you look around that crowd you tell me how many people are going to sell their Holden for a Ford just because the Ford wins on the racetrack so I understand Ford's decision I don't think it's the sort of sponsorship backing that's going to change people's um, people's purchasing patterns. Um, there's a lot of ego attached to it, and that's about it. Um, perhaps you might, you know, if you win a couple of Bathursts or whatever, you might pick up a couple of sales on Monday morning afterwards, but overall I think not. So the question is, what do we do? Um, there will be definitely a skewing towards Holden next year, um, and probably the two best teams in pit lane will be running Holdens. Um, but I wouldn't write off Ford Performance Racing or Stone Brothers yet. Stone Brothers maybe, but Ford Performance Racing, I think, has got the firepower to do it. It's got the money to do it. It's got the wherewithal to do it. Um, there's just one missing element in there. and There's just one little thing that needs to be plugged in, and that team will, will be able to work like a well-oiled machine. And that is, you know, that's the, the personality or the aspect that someone like a Roland Dane brings to a team. He gives it absolute purpose. Um, he gives them direction, you know, like I don't think there's anybody at Triple Eight on a race weekend would, would be at any stage not understanding what was about to happen, um, whereas FBR is a little bit like that. Um, 
you know, so yeah, the future the future looks a bit rocky, I reckon, for the sport. Um, I think that uh, it's it very very dangerous time next year. Luke, I agree that it's not ideal to have a twenty thirty or whatever it is skew two thirds Holden, one one third Ford, but. I think there's a few things the sport can do to counter that and uh, the sale of licences, I think that V8 Supercars Australia could, uh, they, they have the ultimate say over new licence holders. Well, they could simply just make it a stipulation for any new licence holders to run a Ford and just balance it up a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went down that path. But I'm a little bit, a little bit concerned with Andrew's argument there. I don't quite understand why would on the basis of what Andrew said, why would car manufacturers get involved at all? So it clearly benefits. It's a sales opportunity, a marketing activity, brand building, corporate activity, all that sort of stuff. Parts, service activities there. So it's more than just sell on Monday. Sorry, yeah, sell on Monday. And I think that that environment works when you have multiple players in the deal where you're not going on as a as a rusted on Ford or Holden fan, and let's face it, I reckon probably you know 80% of all people who go and watch a V8 supercar race are rusted onto one or the other, um, and I don't think anything you do will ever change that. Um, now I do agree there are corporate aspects to it. There's you know aftermarket sales and all those kind of things that come into play, um, but you know at the end of the day, motor racing is a very expensive way of spending your marketing money compared to um, the Australian tennis open for it. Ford could put more, less money into the tennis and get more benefits out of it than motor racing. Well, you have to look at what they do with Geelong every year. It's the longest sporting sponsorship in the history of sport. And you've got to remember the Geelong Football Club's the second oldest football club in the world. Melbourne Football Club being the oldest, and I get in trouble every time I talk football on uh, this show, but, you know, you have to marry. How many more Fords are sold because of the Geelong Football Club Association? Yeah, but that's that's a prime example. I'm glad you raised that, Craig, of why car companies get involved in sponsorship. That is a PR activity to um, uh, sort of, I guess, boost... Ford's stocks in the Geelong community, if I can put it like that. It's an all-round community building activity, employee uh, morale-boosting activity, that sponsorship. So there are many other reasons why car companies get involved. And just back on Clarkie's point that I agree entirely, if you go to Sandown, then 80% of the fans there uh, diehards for their mark. But if you look at the new events such as Townsville, I guarantee that more people there are more into the drivers than the cars and the marks at those new events tapping new markets. So I think there's probably more benefits for those street races, particularly with the number of corporates there who, let's face it, they buy cars for their fleets and that is a massive market. So I think you know, let's let's not consider V8 supercar racing as a, a done deal in terms of the car manufacturers. Clearly Holden thinks it's important and ebbs and flows a bit with Ford. They're in, they're out, they're in, they're out in terms of their support and enthusiasm for the game. Looks as though it's waned a little bit at the moment, but it only takes a new CEO or a new marketing manager that's a diehard fan and they pop up about one in three and they're back in boots 
boots and all, and the sponsorship can be justified. But I think that's why... I think for Ford and Holden is that, you know, like they've spent a lot of their time in the last 10 years in conflict with the people running the sport. Um, And and you you could say that those two companies together have put more... V8 supercar racing than probably every other sponsor combined over the over the over the journey. Yet, you know, they're constantly being pushed away. They're being cast aside. Um, and I remember a statement once from Tony Cochran where he said, um, "They don't have a stake in the sport. Why should we listen to them?" And the reason is quite clear. Because if you don't listen, they pull their money out and they go elsewhere to places where people do want to listen to them. Um, and yeah, you can't treat massive sponsors of the sport with contempt and you know I mean I love Tony Cochran I reckon most of what he does for the sport is great yet you cannot treat Ford and Holden with contempt and expect that they will be able to continue going on forever because at the end of the day you know, you know, in, in Australia Simon McNamara doesn't have the final say as to how much money he's got to spend at Holden somebody else does all he's got to do is work at how he spends what he's got mm. let's just uh, get back on topic here FPR SBR and we do have quite a diametrically opposed uh, strategy for their drivers. We've got the Department of Youth, almost the uh, Ford Gary Rogers Motorsport School at SBR nowadays. And then we have, of course, uh, uh, FBR with, uh, you know, Wing Cup and, and sorry, Winterbottom and uh, Richards, who are two championship potential winning drivers. Is this a dangerous game where one of your flagships is running rookies or sophomores and they don't have the experience to be able to uh, drag that car up? And when we look at their enduro pairings at SBR, it hasn't really got any better. They haven't got any V8 supercar experience coming into that team uh, to uh, drag them up the uh, order. Well, it's an interim year, I think, if you were to ask... Ross and Jimmy Stone, maybe not at the beginning of this season, but at the end of the season, looking back, they will tell you it's a... They will admit that it's a interim year, building up, a couple of rookies. They've had the uh, glamour boy and something of an established star in James Courtney that didn't work out for them. That's well documented. But uh, I think you'll see them back, particularly with the closer ties with Ford Performance Racing. FPR have the perfect combo, I think, youth and experience, and their uh, youthful driver, Mark Winterbottom, isn't that uh, lacking in experience by any means. So, uh, yeah, I think those guys will get their act together. It looks pretty bad for them at the moment, but, yeah, I think they'll turn it around pretty well, pretty quickly too. Andrew, your thoughts on SBR? Oh, look, I've got a lot of faith in SBR as a unit. I think they... They went through a patch where they lost a bit of direction post Marcus Ambrose, and I think one of the things that most people involved in this sport did was underestimate um, the influence of Marcus Ambrose on that team and the ability of Marcus Ambrose to drag that team from a you know from from what it was to what it became. Um, so the departure of Ambrose, like let's not underestimate the impact that had on those guys. They've gone out there and they've said, well, where's my next Marcus Ambrose? Um, they've taken a punt on Shane Van Gisbergen, and at times he looks like he's got it, but, um, you know, and in all um, all honesty, I don't believe Shane Van Gisbergen is a Marcus Ambrose, uh, but he's Alex Davison, and I think that, you know, in his first year, Alex Davison has been pretty impressive. Um, I mean, he's sitting in 18th spot of the championship, which you'd look at and say, oh, you know, it's not that crash hot, but, you know, he's got a, a cup pair of donuts in there, and... Uh, yeah, he's only a handful of points behind Shane Van Gisbergen. He's now got a season and a half. 
He's only a you know, few spots behind, or one spot behind Steve Richards. He's two spots behind Paul Dumbrell, three behind James Courtney in the championship. So, you know, I think Alex Davison's the man who will lead them, uh, you know, lead the horse to water and force it to drink type of thing. That's all we have time for in this round table. On the white flag lap this week is Brad Jones talking about a race strategy and how you decide when to use those sticky tyres. Thanks very much to Andrew Clark, and I look forward to catching up with you there in Queensland. No worries. And also to Luke West, uh, good to catch up with you again. You're welcome. You might be wondering where Gas and Go is this week. Well, we've had to put it into a whole extra show. Hope you'll join us tomorrow for Gas and Go and some other great interviews on the V8 Insiders. The White Flag Lap is up next. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, it's Bargs here. Jason Bargwana from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you are listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This week on the White Flag Lap, we thought we would ask another team owner on how they're making the call on when to use the soft tyre. It was after Paul Crookshank said this to us. When we were in Tasmania, the guys, I said to them, they said, look, we can do this, this or this. And I said, well, what I'd really like to do is go good on Sunday because (laughs) there's a lot more people, obviously the TV figures are up on Sunday and there's a lot more people watch the supercars on TV on a Sunday. So one driver that should know about pit stops and fuel strategy is Brad Jones. He's now doing some of the engineering work and strategizing for his own team. So I naturally started by asking him, how is he making the decisions on when to use those soft tyres? Really, for me, the thing is, there's more risk on the Sunday, and it also depends on where you qualify. If the top cars, the top 10 cars in front of you, if you're 8th or 10th, and nine of those cars are all using their soft tyre, then you're going to get a better result if you use them the next day. I think you are anyway. So uh, it's not just about TV numbers for me, it's also about getting a result. At the start of the year, I felt that we'd be capable of getting three podiums this year. And, uh, and while we've been really, really close twice, we haven't quite pulled it off. So um, I'm interested in race results and I don't really care whether it's Saturday or Sunday, to tell you the truth. But it's, it's just about making the most of the opportunities. So does all that NASCAR and Oscar experience come into play now that we have put so much emphasis on strategy? I think it does. I think, think the, the ground rules that I learned out there have helped me a lot. And strategy is something I've always really enjoyed and called pretty much from inside the car. It's easier when you're at the Thunderdome because you can see all the cars on the track so you know exactly what's going on. When you're here, you can't see every car, so you're really relying on the information people give you and you don't always get what you want. So um, when I'm standing here, you know, I can help make the calls, but like all jobs, it's not as easy as it looks. So when you're standing here and you've got 30 seconds to make a critical decision, you can get it wrong, which we've done a couple of times. And, um, you know, Winton with Jason, he was the fastest car or has 
you know, he's in front of Lowndes and Lowndes couldn't pass him, but we didn't get the strategy right and and, uh, and he should have been dicing for the race win and instead of that we had to stop him and top him. And um, so, you know, you can't get it right all the time, but, you know, it's all part of the game, I guess. My thanks to Brad Jones there, along with Luke West and Andrew Clark. I hope you will join us next week when we look back at all the action from Queensland Raceway. But as the checkered flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.